don't call it a comb back, I'll have hair for years. Wake up in the morning feeling like P. Diddy. Hey, what up, Grab girl? my glasses, I'm out the door. I'm gonna hit this city. Let's Before go. I leave, brush my teeth with a bottle of Jack. Cause when I leave for the night, I ain't coming back. I'm talking. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. You know, it's funny that you say that because, like, anytime I can actually hear Jared laughing in the background, I know it's a funny joke. This is the Press Box. Just because I was making up Irish and Italian uh, accents, I don't need anything from you at this point. (laughs) With Grainy and Bischoff. You obviously listened to the Press Box before because our transitions made absolutely no sense whatsoever. (laughs) Why make sense on a Tuesday? It's been 1100, 100.9 FM. We're back. Ed, Tyler, and Jared. Big show ahead. Here we go. The first bite. Did Pete DeBoer win the game with his line changes? I'm not so sure we can give him credit for that because he didn't change out to get Oscar Danks in the game. So had he <laughs> had that change been made and they won 3-0, then I would say, yes, Pete DeBoer won the game with that massive change of Oscar Danks replacing Marc-Andre Fleury. So I can only give him... Uh, 80% this morning. Can't give him 100%. Oh, only 80. Okay. So only Oscar, 80. Oscar Dansk is the key to fully giving the yes. coach credit. Yes, he gets 100%. Dansk, yes. Because if Oscar Dansk has a shutout, we know it's not because of Oscar Dansk. Well, if Oscar Dansk shuts out anyone, never mind Colorado, then, uh, <laughs> yeah, then Pete DeBoer is getting a raise and an extension. All right. So I've got some stats for you about the Now, market. that's a shock as I come back go. to the show. Welcome. Welcome back. Ed. Yeah, so, here we go. Yesterday, the Golden Knights, they won a game 3-0. Um, if you look at how they scored some of those goals, one of them was a power play goal. So that, like, you can't give credit to the line changes for a power play goal because that has very little to do with the, the line changes. So the Golden Knights, they scored two goals at 5-on-5. Five five. Uh, they generated an expected goals of 1.7. In the previous three games against Colorado, they were averaging an expected goals of 1.8 at 5-on-5. Five five. So they actually generated less in this game. Now, a little bit of that is because they were up 3-0 in the third period and they didn't really try to score because that's what hockey teams do. Uh, But ultimately, they didn't really create a lot more in terms of shots and chances than they did in the first three games. And then you look at the goals. One was on the power play and one was an Alex Tuck breakaway that was saved and then redirected off an avalanche and in. Right? That's not because of the line change. That's because hockey's dumb. Right. And then the third goal they scored was Jonathan Marshall scoring from the slot. It was a soft goal to allow, but it was a dangerous chance. So that was good. Uh, but overall, like a five on five, the offense was OK. It was nothing special. It was very similar to what we saw in the first three games of this matchup. I don't think you can really look at that offensive game and give Pete DeBoer a lot of credit because I don't think his changes really ultimately changed a lot uh now defensively the golden knights were better uh colorado at five on five their expected goals was 1.7 as well in that game in the previous two they were averaging two so the defense got better they gave up fewer chances in that game but it wasn't significantly better it's not like there was a massive change there so i don't see the line changes as being the big difference what i think the difference was was goaltending because philip grubauer led in a soft goal and then his defenseman kicked one in past him. Meanwhile, Marc-Andre Fleury was phenomenal. And if we go back to last season, remember, Marc-Andre Fleury wasn't good last year. There were plenty of games 
where the Golden Knights dominated, and they lost because of goaltending. They were losing because their goalie was worse than the other goalie. And that's why they that's why Gerard Gallant got fired. That's why that team uh, had to fire its coach because they weren't as high in the standings as they thought they should have been. And it was because the goaltending wasn't good enough. Last night, goaltending won that game. Those two teams played a fairly evenly matched game. Golden Knights were probably better over the course of the entire game, but it's not like they overwhelmed Colorado. They won it because Marc-Andre Fleury was significantly better than Philip Grubau. And that's the difference to me. It's not because of any line changes, because ultimately, I don't think they... I mean, they played a little bit better. It wasn't like the first period in Tahoe where the Golden Knights didn't have the puck, but I don't think that the lines played significantly better. I think the goaltending was in the Golden Knights' favor in a massive way, and that's why they won. Yeah, I can't believe I got through a few days without stats. I'm very excited to hear those <laughs> unexpected goals and high danger chances. Um, you know, uh, I asked Pete DeBoer last night. You see what I did there? Um, I asked Pete DeBoer last <laughs> night about uh, line changes. Coaches are weird. You know, I don't, you know, they've lost a few straight, but it's not like they lost like six or seven straight. You're like, all right, we're going to change for the sake of change. Like, we're just going to, you have to change because it's just not working. And I know the whole thing about they hadn't scored a lot in five on five, but it was interesting after a few losses that he changed it up. And I also thought what he really uh, um, said, which was correct when someone else asked him about the message sending. Um, you know, I thought it was really interesting that he gave away um, that there had been a feeling out there that they just couldn't play with Colorado those first three games, and they needed to send a message to Colorado that they could play with them. And obviously, they not only played with them, uh, they they shut them out. And like you said, Flurry was fantastic again. So the line changes to me weren't some huge, massive deal. They only lost a few straight. Now, the, I guess the question is because coaches are so. Uh, set in their ways sometimes they're you know uh, in terms of uh, what works and what doesn't I, I, I'll be interested to see when they play in Anaheim if he sticks with this usually coaches will stick with stuff that's working and and I do think it's you know Alex Tuck has been playing well enough to give him a higher higher level uh, position there in the front line I think he sticks with that but what do you think about that because coaches usually will not go back to something especially after shutting out one of the best offensive teams in the league yeah, I I think he'll stick with it. Uh, the only question I have on that is this might it might have been a Colorado specific change simply because Colorado has good depth in terms of their lines and the changes that they made gave the Golden Knights better depth than what they normally would have. They spread their talent out a little bit better, so it might be a Colorado specific change. But even if it is a Colorado specific change. I think you go with it against other teams because ultimately the regular season doesn't matter for the Golden Knights. Ultimately beating the Ducks, not beating the Ducks doesn't, the playoffs matter. And more than likely they're going to have to beat the Avalanche to get to the Western, well, whatever the hell the conference finals will be called. Whatever it's going to be called. Yeah. To get to the, to the final four of the NHL this year, they're going to have to more than likely beat the Avalanche. And so if that's what you think gives you the best chance to beat the Avalanche, that's what you should do the rest of the season. Like, make sure. that part of your game as good as possible. Even if it means it's not the best way to beat the Ducks, you're still probably going to beat the Ducks. Yeah, and, well, I don't know if you're going to beat the Kings who are in oh, playoff position. But, oh, the Ducks, but the Ducks, yes, you probably beat the Ducks uh, no matter who you play. Uh, and, and that's a good point because if you if you think, and I think everybody does, I mean, you know, Colorado's, four points behind now, but it's still Colorado. If you think that that is the team you have to get through, whether it be in the first or second round, 
yeah, I mean, stay with this because it's just a division with not that many good teams, and you can probably beat most of them with this lineup. And that way, this lineup gains more chemistry. Tuck said that last night in terms of, you know, it's the first time they played together, so it's going to take a while, even though you're playing with Stone, so he's going to make everyone look better on, on most nights. I, I agree with you. I, I think you stick with it. If, the, if you're saying this is the way to beat Colorado, you should be able to play most other teams with this with this lineup and the way Fleury's playing and win anyway. It doesn't mean, it doesn't, you know, to go back to anything against, you know, if you're going matchups against matchups, they're just better than everyone else other than maybe Colorado. I thought, to go back to what Pete DeFore said, I thought his phrasing was interesting, saying that, you know, we had to show that we could play with Colorado because... The last two days that you weren't here, Adam and I spent a long time talking about how we both thought Colorado was better than Vegas, and there was a gap between the two of them. But it never came; it never was the point where Vegas couldn't play with them. Like that seems more extreme than sort of I felt how the games went. It felt like okay, the Avalanche are better than the Golden Knights, but it's not that crazy of a distance between the two of them. So I thought the phrasing was interesting from DeBoer to say we can prove we can play with them because that's right. sort of like. That's kind of like, you know, if UNLV played Gonzaga this year, you'd be like, well, can they prove yeah. they can play with them? Like, right. that's sort of how that phrasing comes off to me. So I thought his phrasing was was kind of interesting. Yeah, that almost, like you said, that just means like you haven't competed all. The, other than last night, they were all one-goal games. Now, you could say Colorado looked better than all of them, even in that 1-0 loss. I think people came away saying, boy, the light, Knights got a little fortunate there. There's Flurry again. He kind of saved them. Uh but I just thought, again, coaches don't give away much in terms of what could be perceived as a negative towards their team. And I don't want to go overboard with that. But when you say, hey, we need to send a message we could play with them, that was kind of telling. I mean, it was kind of telling that they've looked at film and they've watched and said, you know, they, we've got issues against these guys. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the, the last three games, even with the win, was probably the worst that the Golden Knights have looked all season. Now, given the level of opponent, that's kind of expected that's kind of yeah. understandable because I'll, I'll give you this on, on the mark stone like he the line changed but mark stone in this four game series he finishes it with a Corsi and an expected goals below 50 percent yeah we're talking about mark stone who since he's been in vegas has been over 60 percent in both of those stats he was under 50 percent like mark stone was basically a non-factor in this series at five on five so like i, I think it, it's maybe that's what they're looking at and they're saying hey you know, we've got Mark Stone and Alex Petrangelo, and they're not making an impact on the game. We've got to prove that they can. We've got to prove that we can play with Colorado because Nathan McKinnon's out here skating circles around us. Yeah. I mean, even Tuck said last night he was tired just chasing the guy, and he's just he's just a different level guy. Uh, interesting that they, you know, Theodore Petrangelo, and they asked Theodore last night, being with kind of another offensive guy, how did you think defensively they worked out with the with the, with those lines? So they, they mostly got defensive zone starts for Shea Theodore and Alex Petrangelo. Uh, anytime the Golden Knights had an offensive zone start, they usually went with one of the other two pairings. Uh, they didn't have great numbers. I think they were like under 50% Corsi and expected goals last night, um, which is not great because if you put Theodore and Petrangelo together, you're kind of expecting, hey, that's going to be one of the best defensive pairings in hockey because – you're thinking we've got a top 10 and a top 20 defenseman together there. So it, it they weren't bad by any means last night, but I think if you're putting those two together, you're expecting a lot more. You're expecting them to almost take over games at times. Yeah, I don't, they, they didn't do that. Um, now, again, these lines are, it's like, uh, again, go back to what Tuck said, not only about chasing McKinnon around, but they are deadly in, in those top two lines. And 
uh, you know, I mean, obviously, I thought Flurry, Flurry just made some incredible saves. They're right at the doorstep, a couple of them, and he and he still and he still saved it. So, I'll be interested. Look, we're going to talk about Robin Leonard later in the show, but they're getting into a stretch here that we make. You know, we have fun with Oscar Danks. If 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 Leonard keeps coming, if Leonard keeps uh, out. Eventually, I think you have to start playing Danks every once in a while because they're going to get into a stretcher. As good as Mark Andre Fleury's been, you also have to look at the fact. Look, we don't know much about Leonard. Like I said, we're going to talk about him in terms of how long he might be out. But if it is continuing to be extended, as good as Mark Fleur, Mark Andre Fleury's been, he's thirty six. And when you start going every other night, I'm sorry, as well as he's played, that's going to catch up to him. As great a shape he's in, he's incredible conditioning. So I'm going to watch that forward too in terms of. At some point, don't you have to give him a night or two off? We'll see. But I think that's obviously going to come down to how long Robin Leonard is out. Play Marc-Andre Fleury until he falls off, and then Robin Leonard will be back, and you don't need Marc-Andre yeah. Fleury. Will, will Oscar Danks ever play a game again? Because I think he hasn't played a game in a year. He's been backed up for two weeks, and he still hasn't gotten a game. Like I don't know if he'll ever play in another game. No chance. Not allowed. Oscar no. Dansk is, is uh, done. He's he's an important. He's got a jersey. Important member oh, he's of the Texas squad. Yeah, but he's never going to play a game again. <laughs> uh, make sure you guys head over to lvsportsnetwork.com to enter our Sky Diamonds Month of Love contest for your chance to win a twenty five hundred dollar diamond pendant presented by Sky Diamonds, where Las Vegas gets engaged. Conveniently located at Town Square. Coming up next. Oh, you can start franchise tagging people in the NFL today. Is Dak Prescott going to have to play under the tag again? He's super impressive. Um, I hit six. I don't know. I mean, this guy can throw the ball. He's very accurate. Uh, he's got great poise in the pocket. Uh, stands in there. He's a very good uh, deep to interme- intermediate to deep ball thrower. He's got good weapons. He's been super impressive. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. Who in the world was he talking about? <laughs> that guy. Every time you hear that voice, who's this guy talking Dakota about? Dakota Prescott. <laughs> Is that who he's talking about? Yep. So today, NFL teams can start uh, franchise or transition tagging their players. Uh, they have until early March to do so. So there's no uh, immediate timeline. They've got a couple of weeks here to do so. But there are some interesting names across the league that could end up being franchise tagged. Uh, Ian Rappaport reported yesterday that the Cowboys uh, will use the franchise tag on Dak Prescott again for this season if they do not agree to a long-term deal with Dak Prescott before then. So basically, you got about two weeks to agree to a long-term deal with Prescott, and if not, they will tag him. That would pay Prescott $37.7 million for this season, and then next year he could be a free agent. Uh, you think the Cowboys actually get a long-term deal done with them, or are they making Prescott play on another one-year deal? Well, how long's it been? I mean, it's, it's been a long time that they can't get a deal done, and I got to be in it. Look, I know there's risk when you keep tagging guys because of the, you know, the whole bad feelings and everything. I, I always laugh at that. You know, it's 37 million. So I don't think anyone's feeling sorry for him. I, they shouldn't. Uh, the tag is there for a reason. It was negotiated for a reason. So, you know, if you, if you think he's asking too much and, and you don't want to make a deal with him, um, then tag him. I mean, I, that it's there for a reason. And the other thing I don't, I don't, I don't completely buy into, you know, if you tag him again, he's leaving for sure. At the end of the day, with the player, 
as it should be, we've talked about this, it's going to be how much can you make and where. That's your lifespan in the league, unless you're Brady, is short. You're going to be, you know, done in your mid-30s, and, you know, you have a long life ahead. You want to make as much as you can in that sport. So he might be mad if they tag him right away, but if they get something done in the midseason, near the end of the season, I think they'd still retain him. It's going to be about how much he how much he can get from wherever he's, uh, you know, wherever he wants to play. So I tag him if if you can't get anything done, and I keep working on it. Obviously, I mean, you know, I keep working with him. But he's had some injuries too. You could tag him and see how he responds, see how he plays. Um, I don't have a problem with them doing that. I really don't. I I think people get way too caught up in loyalty and what this guy's owed and everything. You know, I mean, win some playoff games. I mean, do something. <laughs> I mean, he's he's the quarterback of my favorite team, but I'm not sitting here saying, well, why haven't you given him four hundred million dollars or whatever he wants? <laughs> so. I think tagging Dak Prescott would be the smartest thing for the Cowboys to do because you don't have to commit to him long-term until you see how he plays coming back from his injury. Because before Dak Prescott got hurt, I think you could very easily convince yourself that Prescott can play like a top-five quarterback in the NFL for the foreseeable future. Like, that's not a hard leap to make before his injury. So... If he had not gotten hurt, then I think it's much easier as the Cowboys to say, yeah, we're we're giving Dak Prescott a long-term deal because he's been great for the last two or three seasons or whatever it's been, and we think he can be that great for the next five to ten or however long that extension would be. The problem is is he suffered a pretty significant injury, and now he's got to come back from that. Now, I haven't seen anything that suggests that he would be hampered by it in the future. Like, it seems as though Prescott will be fine. But if you're the Cowboys, you have a franchise tag. You can commit a bunch of money for one year to Dak Prescott and then commit a long-term deal to him if he still looks awesome in the regular season. And to me, that's the smartest way to go about it. The only concern is if that you know pisses off Dak Prescott and he says, I don't want to yeah. play for Dallas again. But I agree with you. I, I think ultimately, if, you, if he plays on the franchise tag this year and let's say through 9, 10 games – He's awesome, and the Cowboys yeah. say, okay, here's your long-term deal with however much money or however many years you're asking for. I think Prescott's going to sign it. I don't think he's going to say, ah, but remember back in February when you threw yeah. the franchise tag on me, I think he'd sign it, and it would be perfectly fine. So to me, the smartest thing they can do is franchise tag him because it's it's the perfect scenario for a team to use it because, hey, you kind of need the quarterback to come back and prove it for one year, and if he does, great, here's the long-term deal. If he doesn't, ooh, you dodged a bullet. Yeah, I you know I mean he's gonna look back and say you only you know oh, you killed me with the thirty seven million dollars. Um, I I don't think so, and I would do that. Uh, I would play and to see how he is. Look, I mean it's it's the team I follow most, and they haven't done anything. So I think he's a good quarterback. I think he can. I think he's good enough. We talk about this all the time. Like, is the guy you have good enough to win the Super Bowl? I think at his highest level he is. Given some guys who've won Super Bowls, I mean, I think at his highest level he could win one. Now a lot of things goes into that. I understand that they have to get much better defensively and all of that. So I'm not saying get rid of him. I'm not saying hey he shouldn't be the future, but I would tag him and I I would make him come back and like you said see how he plays. I don't why why wouldn't you tag a guy like that's what it's there for if you're not completely sure about him. Now again. If you're completely sure about him, he's top three or four quarterback in the league. Okay, sign him to a long-term deal. But all these other guys, I I would use that option because if they're good enough, you're going to give them a long-term deal anyway. Yeah, and and for Prescott, it comes down to like if you're going to pay Dak Prescott uh, and give him the long-term deal, you're basically saying 
we think he can be, you know, a top five quarterback in the NFL. And yeah. it, it comes down to what, how does he bounce back from his injury? That's all this comes down to. That's yeah, all it is. And so it, it makes, from an organizational standpoint, it makes zero sense for the Cowboys not to use the franchise tag, not to use a tool that they have been given. Right. Yeah. I, I again, I, I honestly think if the Cowboy, if, if they end up agreeing to a long-term deal with Prescott and they don't tag him right now, I honestly think that'd be a pretty stupid move. Like, I, I think you're you're given a tool. You're given something that you can use, a franchise tag, and this is the perfect time to use it if you're a team. So I, I honestly think it'd be dumb of them to give him a long-term deal right now. I think they'd be much better off going with a tag, yeah. and a long-term deal is it's it's more risk than you have to take on as an organization, even if you think you're doing right by your quarterback even if you have full confidence he'll be back you're yeah. you're adding a risk that you don't have to add look, to your organization i mean look he's he's good enough to where there's something going on with these negotiations i mean they've been negotiating with this guy for a really really <laughs> long time i don't know what he's asking for i mean you see obviously you see reports out there 45 50 whatever he's asking for they're balking at and I, I'm not one to usually side with owners on these things or, or many much times at all in terms of owners. But in this sense, given what the tag is and what he probably is asking for, I completely agree with you. I, I would not, given what he's probably asked for, this has been a long negotiation, and it's not like he's bad. If this guy stunk, it's one thing and say, okay, you're just not worth that. That's crazy. That's not him. So he just must be asking for something where they're like, look, you haven't proven that level. We'll keep tagging you as long as we can. And then if all of a sudden, you know, you're in first place and like you said, you're seven and three or eight and two and it looks really good. Okay, then give him his money. But as much as I like the Cowboys and Dak Prescott, I mean, you get to a point as a person who likes the team and say, you, you have to win. And, you know, we've got a quarterback here locally we're going to talk about. Like at some point, you have to win. You have to get in the playoffs and you have to win games. And you can't keep saying, hey, it's just on the defense. If you're going to pay people this kind of money, I'm sorry. It's a results-oriented business. And you need to start doing something. Yeah, what do you make of how long it's been? Because this is this oh, is not been forever. First, this is not the first time that we've heard, no. oh, Prescott and the Cowboys long term deal they can't agree. Like that seems to be more of a sign that they're they're never actually gonna give them a long term deal. Yeah. I mean, the market keeps being set by different deals. And for whatever reason, I think every time the market's set, with by the way, guys who've done a lot more than him, he and his agent, you know, believe he's at that level. And I'm sorry, he might be talent-wise to a lot of those guys because I think he's very talented. But what does he want? I mean, I, I, that to me, that always comes down to that. You have to win at a high level in that league. You have, eventually have to do something to be in the level of players that make that kind of money. And he hasn't done that. A lot of guys haven't done that that get paid. Um, but in terms of just this specific team, I'm absolutely with you. I would tag the guy and make him prove himself. And, and like you said, it's not a career-ending injury, but it wasn't a soft injury either. I mean, okay. so he's going to have to prove he's healthy. All right, coming up next, we'll jump into some Mountain West basketball because guess what? UNLV is going to play San Diego State. Caleb dribbling out near the timeline on the right side. He's in the middle of the floor and has his pass knocked away and stolen by Mendoza, and his dunk attempt is no good, but Caleb fouled him. What a terrible, terrible turn of events. I mean, that's just Mendoza outworking both Rebels involved in that play. Overplaying the passing lane. And the Rebels turn it over again.
You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Oh, the Mountain West always finds a way to be controversial. Story from the San Diego Union Tribune last night. We're going to have makeup games. UNLV is expected to play San Diego State uh, one game. They missed both of their games. They were supposed to be in Las Vegas in early January. But it looks like next week they will play one game because the Mountain West is going to have 10 of its 11 teams. Air Force will be the team left out because Air Force has not had a game postponed or canceled yet this season, or at least in conference play. But the other 10 teams will all play each other uh, at least once to have a makeup game, so every team gets a game added. Uh, the Mountain West in this scenario wants to meet the television contract requirements. FS1, CBS Sports Network, they have uh, so many games that they're supposed to be putting on TV, and apparently they want those games, and the Mountain West might fall short of them if they don't add makeup games. Uh, but the interesting part here is that it sounds like not a single coach in the conference wants to play any of these makeup games. Yeah, this is interesting. We talked, uh, we've talked a lot about this in terms of this league and potentially how many bids it could get. Now, uh, you, you said something in, in the break, which you're exactly right. If you're San Diego State, you just come and beat UNLV and don't worry about it. But here's the flip side of that. UNLV can absolutely beat San Diego State. You know, we saw them beat Utah State. They have a night where they hit 11 threes, which they're very capable of on some nights. They could beat them. That, given UNLV's metrics and their numbers, that would could really hurt San Diego State. And I think if TJ was in the opposite side of things, he'd feel the exact same way. Like, why go that late in the season when all your eyes are on you in terms of bracketologists and the committee and everything and put yourself in a position where you could really hurt yourself? Like, why do that if you don't have to? I think both the both coaches in this instance agree, including Osleberger. Uh, Boise State's going to have to play some. Now, they got the sweep of Utah State, so they're in a better position than they've been. Utah State, Colorado State, these these teams are all on the bubble. So if I'm these teams on the bubble, I'm like, this this isn't good. And and I don't know if it's going to make the difference or not, but it's going to be very interesting if some of these teams on the bubble lose some of these games and we'll see if they make the tournament. I, I don't know if that that's a pretty big jump to make because you hope the committee considers the entire year. But it's just one of these things where when you have coaches, and I know this for a fact, when you have coaches on both sides saying, we shouldn't do this if you want to get the most teams in the tournament and the league does it anyway. All it is, like you said, is TV. That's the only thing that matters. But if they end up with one bid, then, you know, that's on you. I mean, I don't know how many bids they're going to get. But if it's a one-bid league and some of these losses hurt teams enough to where the committee goes, eh, it's a really bad loss. We'll have to go with the ACC team. We'll go with the Power 5 team. Then that's on you for playing the games. So what I'm curious, the detail we don't have, is how much money would they lose out on from the TV contract? Because I, I don't, I, I have no idea what the penalty is to the Mountain West if they don't play enough games. I don't know how much money it costs them because the television contract, the new one the Mountain West signed, it's $45 million a year that then gets split up uh, among the teams. So it's a significant amount. Now, I highly doubt if they come up, you know, 10 games short that it's, you know, oh, we're taking away $30 million. I'm sure right, it's a much right. lower amount. But if I'm the Mountain West, depending on what that number is, this is probably an easy decision because we talk about the NCAA tournament. We talk about how important it is to get teams in. But the payouts from the NCAA tournament for a conference, 
for every game that your team plays last year, well, two years ago, I should say, because we didn't have a tournament last year, it was $273,000 per game that your conference played in the NCAA tournament. So if the, if the television contract, if they're threatening, if the FS1 and CBS are threatening more than $275,000, then you absolutely play these games. It's yeah. a no-brainer. If they're sitting there saying, we're going to withhold $2 million, that's a no-brainer. You're saying, okay, if we lose a team in the NCAA tournament, we lost $200,000, we're not losing $2 million. So I'm curious what that number is because that's what the decision is here if you're the Mountain West. If you're Craig Thompson and the TV partners say, oh, we're going to withhold $50,000, then screw the TV partners. We're not playing any games. But if they're saying, we're going to withhold $2 million, then, uh, sorry, San Diego State, you're going to Vegas because you got to yeah. play on FS1. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and that's the thing. We can't make a determination because we don't know what the TV deal is. Now, it's never – I don't think we've ever considered it a great TV deal um, only because we know the payouts. So I, I don't know what the penalty is. I, I, I don't know. I know for a fact that coaches and ADs two days ago were under the assumption they were not playing, and yesterday there was a call – where the ADs informed their coaches they were playing. What happened in those 24 hours could be exactly what you're saying. The TV team, the TV people might have threatened and said, look at this clause. This is what you're going to owe us. And Craig Thompson just said, it's just not worth it. We have to play these games. And it's just not UNLV San Diego State. I think other than Air Force, who have not been postponed, everyone's probably going to have to go in these games. I think, you know, there's a chance I'm hearing we'll see today UNLV might have to go to Wyoming and pick up one of those games. I mean, I you know, they're going to fill their TV obligations, obviously. So it, it would be, like you said, a lot better to make a final opinion on this if you knew what side's losing the most money. Now, let me ask you this. If you're, like, and I think you just said this, if it's a, if it's a wash, there's a risk because you don't know how many teams are going to get in. You never know in terms of the committee. But if it's a wash or close to a wash, I, I'm picking over, try to get as many teams as in. You know, and, and again, just say no to your TV partners and say, you know, that's fine, we'll pay this because if we get three teams in, we're still making money. Oh, yeah. If, if the penalty is like two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars $300,000, which is right in line with what the NCAA tournament payout will be for each game your conference plays, right. I, think, I think you take the chance and you say, okay, we're, we're just not going to play them, and we're going to hope that we get three or, or four even. I don't think Utah State can get in now, but hope that we get three or four teams in the NCAA tournament so that we ultimately don't lose out on any of this money and we give ourselves the best shot. So, uh, I it's it's a it's a fascinating decision because normally you're not having to reschedule games that were postponed during a pandemic. You'd almost right. never be in this situation before. But what I what what to me is actually the most interesting on this is that when the Mountain West put out their schedule, they had this week at the end that was specifically for this reason, specifically yes, to make yes. up games. And at the Absolutely. time. We said it was a good idea. I don't think there was yes. anybody that said it was a bad idea. It's it's funny that now that we're here, people are saying, wait a minute, this is a terrible idea. Why did we put this extra week in here to make up games? So it's it's interesting, A, how that's changed. It's also interesting, A, or B, how the thought process has changed where ADs and coaches apparently didn't think they were going to make any of these games up, and now all of a sudden they're being forced to against their will, which, by the way, a good conference or at least a conference that had uh, good members, they wouldn't be telling anybody on or off the record that they didn't want to play these games. They'd be saying, nope, we're happy to go. We're happy to play. That way oh, the conference yeah. doesn't look bad because the conference looks terrible right now because yeah. you apparently have multiple schools saying, we don't want to play, and the Mountain West is saying, 
sorry, you have to play, and that's a terrible look for the conference. Yeah. Yeah, you're not going to get – I mean, you might get te- – this is interesting. You might get coaches who are in the position of being on the bubble saying, look, you know, it could hurt the chances, but you're not going to get anyone outwardly saying, you know, we won't play the game, we don't want to play the game. But we know better behind the scenes what these coaches are saying. I mean, I trust the sources that are being that are being uh, reported on that they're just like, this just doesn't make sense. Um, but they're going to play. We'll see later today, according to the – Union Tribune story. They're going to announce the makeup schedule today. So we, we'll see if T.J. Osberger has to also go on the road to Wyoming. I mean, there were two there that they didn't get. The other thing I want to ask you about real quick is um, to the San Diego State part of things and to the other part of things, uh, The I think it's the New Mexico games that I think the story said will be ending up as forfeits um, towards the record for, you know, and then obviously if they're forfeits and you get the two wins, it helps you with seeding in the tournament. Are you okay with that? Um, that's a, that's a weird way to go about it because we've had plenty of games postponed or canceled this year and, and none of them count as forfeits except for maybe this one. But this is, this is the one that New Mexico basically took the week off where Paul yes. Greer was like, yeah, yes. we need, we just need to take the week off because they're playing yeah. in Texas and Utah and not able to go home and play. So right. it's. I I kind of understand because it looks it it appears as though New Mexico didn't have to postpone because of COVID positive COVID or anything right and right. they kind of chose to to not play those games but that's a tough look I mean to to basically not that anybody cares about New Mexico seating but to basically no. punish a team for for what New Mexico had to go through this year it's it's yeah. a tough look but i i guess i get it because we're what San Diego State in the standings right now like they kind of need those two wins otherwise they're going to be what like the 4 seed or something ridiculous yeah. like that because because they didn't get to play them so whereas other teams did get to play New Mexico and did get to play those games cuz yeah right now San Diego State's 11 and 3 Boise State's 14 and 3 so they have the same amount of losses if you give San Diego State two more wins they have a legitimate shot to actually catch Boise State uh, because they play each other. So, yeah, I I get it where they might come from on that, but it's, I don't know, it, it seems a little harsh to say, sorry, New Mexico, you guys had the worst college basketball season any players ever had to go through. Here's two more losses. Well, we'll see. And, and I, I, don't, I don't know what day it's going to be next week, um, but that will be a game for sure. And I think, I'll, I'm going to tell you, it's going to be a game more than even Reno's you know, kids will get up for. And if they play well, they absolutely can win the well, game. There's no question about that. And I, I, I I'm telling, you, I, I think they will get up more for that game. I just do. I the Reno stuff. I don't know coaches, alums, all of that. I get that. I don't know if kids do. I think if you go pat, you know, you go back over what the last eight to ten years, San Jose State's more of a rival than Reno to kids. Now, I, you know, coaches can say what they want, but to players, I'm telling you, that's more of a rivalry. So. I think UNLV would have a great chance. Not only they'll be fired up, but like I said, we've seen them kind of at their best. Not a lot. I get that. But they play one night, you know, 40 minutes, and they hit shots. They can absolutely win that game. Well, that's the part of this that's interesting. If, I, if I'm UNLV, I, I kind of want to play San Diego State. I sure, want them why to wouldn't come, you? I want them to come yeah. to Thomas and Mac because I want to beat them. Like, I, yes. I want to say, like last year, UNLV could say, they ended San Diego State's unbeaten yeah. season, right? If I'm UNLV, I want to be able to say, I knocked San Diego State out of the NCAA tournament. Like, that's a terrific thing to say. Now, I don't know if the one loss would actually knock them out because San Diego State has 
computers like San Diego State a lot, so losing to UNLV might not be that big of a deal. But if I'm UNLV, I want that opportunity, even if it ultimately costs the conference well, some money because they don't make the NCAA tournament. I want the chance to beat them and knock them out. Yeah, and that's what you know. Kevin Kruger told us last week. I think coaches understand the position each team is in. And like I said, if TJ, if this was opposite, TJ wouldn't want to go and play that game because you don't want to hurt your. If you think you're in, you don't want to do anything to give the committee any reason to second guess you, right? So I think TJ would feel the same way. And I think on the other end, San Diego State, if they're in UNLV's position, they're like, yeah, we understand. We'd feel the same way. But kids are different. And and, and you remember Kevin Kruger said that to us last week. Guys want to play. Like kids always want to play. And this is a team, like you said, they ended that streak last year, and they 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 deservedly felt really good about it, that they'll want to play, those kids. So if you get a fired up about a bunch of kids, motivated kids that night, and they start making shots, they have a great chance to win that game. All right, make sure you guys are listening throughout the show. You're going to hear a sounder at some point from the Vegas Lawyers. You're going to hear Tony Abitangelo and the Vegas Lawyers. That'll be your cue to call in and get qualified to win 2000 bucks that we'll give away at the end of the month. So make sure you're listening for that sounder, a chance to get qualified at $2,000. Coming up next, we have found the greediest soccer team in North America. What I'm not okay with is you haven't watched the match. You don't know who the players are. You hear, you hear us right now saying, wow, U.S.-Argentina tonight. Oh, they're in the semifinals? This is awesome. And then you go watch the game, and they lose like a heartbreaker, and you're like, Oh, I'm devastated. Oh, man, the U.S. lost. When I have been watching qualifiers and exhibitions and, like, watching practices stream online, and I've been passionate about the team every second of the day for years waiting for these moments. No exaggeration here. Yeah. And and then you come in and you're like, oh, man. Like, against Belgium, the, the World Cup game against Belgium was okay. heartbreaking. I was devastated. I, I was in a corner. Uh, I remember I was at um, uh, Lagasse Stadium in a corner with a flag draped over my head crying. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 AM and 100.9 FM. SSG. Has SSG. Been, has he been gatekeeping U.S. soccer fans for like nearly a decade now? I'm going to give him a hard time when I talk to him next. SSG, snobby soccer guy. <laughs> I know many of them, by the way. He's gatekeeping soccer. The whole point of international soccer is for everybody to care about it that doesn't normally uh, care about it. That's what's like, it's like. It's like bashing someone. That's like bashing someone who has never been in a pool in their life saying, you can't like Michael Phelps. You can't like him when he's winning 7,000 medals in the same Olympics. You've never been in a pool. You're not a good swimmer. Wait till I, wait till I talk to that guy later. Unbelievable. He's not even going to know because that's got to be – Jared, do you have a date on that audio? That's got to be from, was, like, 2017? Yeah. Well, 2016. Yeah, he was talking to Mitch. Early 2016. He was talking to Mitch because Mitch is Mitch was still an employee at this radio yeah. station. Oh, man. I talked to that guy. Uh, I'm going to bring that up on our podcast later this week. Snobby soccer guy. Because oh, the game he referenced was from the 2014 World Cup. When they lost to Belgium, like that's how. <laughs> way to go! Way to dig deep, Jared. I'm glad you. No, found what? Out. What's bad? How did you find that? I typed soccer into our library, and that was actually one of the most recent clips. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, there's been a lot of soccer talk on here, obviously on the radio, given that was from 2016. It was, wow! It was either that or Tyler calling women's soccer. 
Oh, that's I, always I, a good one. That's a good, good play-by-play play for women's soccer. Here's a fun <laughs> soccer story. Charlotte FC. They're going to be a new MLS team soon, assuming there's an MLS season. Uh, they are going to be the first soccer team in North America to charge for PSLs, personal seat license, which uh, if you pay attention to the Raiders of the NFL, you know all about PSLs. Basically, they make you pay to then have the right to pay them again to buy season tickets um, for Charlotte FC. The range for their PSLs is going to be between $350 and $900 per seat, according to the Charlotte Post. So basically, if you wanted to buy Charlotte FC season tickets, you're going to have to pay them at least $350 per seat and then buy the ticket. And the tickets start at $630 and run up to $2,000 per seat. What the hell is Charlotte FC doing? There cannot cool. be that much demand for Charlotte MLS season tickets. I mean, what's the market research saying there's people who are going to do this? Like, have they done any kind of research to say, hey, they put it out to the, the community. If we did this, would you buy? Is this just Jim? Is this them, you know, thinking that they're bigger than they are? Or have they actually done some research where people are like, sure, we'll, we'll spend 350 on a PSL? I, I don't know. I mean... I guess if it works, good for them, but it doesn't seem like this is something in that league that would, would go over well. Are the people of Charlotte this excited about getting a team? I, I can't no imagine. I can't imagine. Now, there's two there's two quotes here from the president of Charlotte FC that are that are fun. First off, he said if you look at it from a price standpoint, it's not an extremely daunting number. So if you were to do the cheapest tickets here for Charlotte FC, just the ticket is $630. But because they're now charging for PSLs, you're going to have to pay at least $350 more. So your right. ticket went from $630 to nearly $1,000. Yeah. How is he saying that from a price standpoint, that's not daunting? That's like a 50% increase. That's huge. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Does, does Charlotte have a lot, uh, a lot more people with wealth than we know? I don't know. Maybe it's a very wealthy town and they have no problem. They have a lot of soccer fans who have no problem... Uh, forging out this money um i i it's fascinating to see how it'll work out though i assume uh the media there are going to keep track of, someone's going to keep track on how many of these sell and how many psls go now i guess if the guy sells out we look like the dummies for questioning them but it's going to be interesting to see if people want to fork over this much money for soccer in in this country the best quote from the president though was basically him trying to explain why they were doing psls he said we're the first team to produce PSLs in Major League Soccer, and the biggest reason we have done it is for a sense of ownership. What does that mean? Yeah, exactly. That like the idea of a PSL is they're basically saying you own your season ticket. Whereas like if you have season tickets for any team that doesn't have a PSL, guess what? You still own your season ticket. Like yeah. the idea of PSLs, they're the biggest scam in the world. I don't think there's a bigger scam. You're paying to then pay them again to buy the tickets. Yeah, we're. I'm questioning this uh, president guy. <laughs> um, I'm not not sure he's all uh, he's all there. So if I buy something, it's mine anyway. I don't need to pay you more to say it's mine. <laughs> um, that makes no sense. That makes no sense whatsoever. Like imagine uh, so, trying to convince somebody to buy a PSL, and all you can come up with is, "Hey, you'll own the ticket." And it said Charlotte's a unique marketplace. It's not suggesting it would work in other, every other market. Why is it so unique? I have no idea. I have no idea what they think Charlotte is. No clue. But they got PSLs.